Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome into 98.7 ESPN. Anita Marks with you. Another podcast. And uh, what are we doing this morning, this afternoon? We are getting you ready for round two and three. Later on tonight, the NFL draft, of course, happened last night, round one. And uh, Connor Rogers is joining me for this podcast. Really thrilled to have him on. You can see his work all over Bleacher Report. So, uh, Connor, first and foremost, it was so fun last night, right, to like – I just, it was, it was the first time, obviously, in a long time that I just, I felt like, like it was nor, it was a normal night. It was, it was me, uh, at home. I made dinner, had some wine. I had two friends over. Um, you know, we, no social distancing, but, but the three of us are healthy. Um, we didn't wear masks, full disclosure, but, it was nice to it was nice to have people over. It was nice to make dinner. It was nice to drink wine and it was so fun to watch this draft unfold. It was like the first moment of normalcy in a long time. Don't you agree? Yeah, I really agree with you, Anita. It was great. It, it just felt like everybody had their eyes on the draft. Um, you know, I've always said the draft has become such a, you know, cherished event well before the pandemic because when you look at it, it's the sign of hope for all NFL fans, because you feel like your team's getting better or your team has a chance to get better. You know, I know there are always losers at the end of it. Some people don't like their picks, but it never really feels like there's an actual loser that comes out of it because at a minimum, you should be gaining players. And even if you don't like the play, the fans don't like the players. uh, Oftentimes they're wrong. That always happens. There's surprises. So it's really a night of hope. And for this, it, it really, really, in my eyes, defines that more than ever. Because once again, it was it was a live sporting event in a sense. Uh, I thought everything just seemed to go, you know, really smooth, really well done. The reactions of players at home, the emotions of happiness. You know, not people struggling. And I'm, I'm not saying people should ignore what's going on in the world. But it was nice for, you know, one night and it'll carry on. And of course, tonight, Friday night and, and Saturday day. You know, to keep celebrating those moments of not only teams getting better, but those players, everything they've worked for now getting their opportunity. So, and of course, for NFL fans to have new players to root for and to be really, really excited about them. Um, Roger Goodell won some brownie points with me last night. First of all, him with the TikTok videos. Um, (laughs) That was fun. Him having fun as well uh, with the whole promotion with Bud Light and the fans booing him his interaction with the fans on on Zoom. And I don't know, towards the end of the night, I don't know who had a little bit more wine, me or Roger Goodell. He seemed a little, <laughs> right? He, Loose, yeah. He, he seemed a little tipsy towards the end of the night, didn't he, when he made the announcement that um, that the Raiders were going to host the 2020 draft. And we, we kind of all looked around and said, isn't it, isn't it 2020? <laughs> yeah, it so, kind of felt like a... It felt like Roger Goodell was just, um, you know, more comfortable with himself. Yes. I think. Yes. Yeah, it wasn't like stuffy. So that was great. Yeah. So that was fun. Okay. So let's dive right into it. So Connor and I, this is what we're going to do just to kind of preview this podcast for you. We're going to recap some picks from last night, what stood out, what was head scratching. Um, 
And we're going to look forward to uh, rounds two and three and, and potentially what the Giants and what the Jets need to do. So we'll talk about some of the players that are still on the board, some very surprisingly so. And then I want to get into some of the prop bets. If you want to lay some, uh, some, some bets down heading into tonight, there are quite a few that I think uh, could be very lucrative for you. And then also I want to get into some win totals, over and under win totals that have changed even just with the first round with a number of teams. So first and foremost, Connor, let, let's talk about last night. Joe Burrow, Chase Young, no surprise there. Now, I was getting wind that the Dolphins were trying to trade up above the Giants to get Andrew Thomas. Um, so, uh, so for me, the draft really began with Detroit and anticipating what they were going to do. Were they going to trade down or were they going to take, I, I personally feel that they should have taken Derek Brown. I felt, I feel Derek Brown is arguably uh, maybe the, the second or third best player in this draft, but they went with Jeff Okuda. We know Detroit, they play a ton of man coverage this is who they went with. They did not get a, a, a trade deal in place. So uh, your, your thoughts first and foremost, do you think that, uh, do you think this is a good pick for Matt Patricia and, and the Detroit Lions? Do you feel that there would have been more value for them to trade down? I think they definitely could have gotten Akuda at five if they really wanted to, even at six. Yeah, I think when you look at it, you know, they would have preferred to, to jump down and, and grab some more picks and still get Akuda, but you know, number one, I felt like Anita, the returns on move were very, very low. It's something I said on the Bleacher Report show. I think for whatever reason, the teams moving up had the leverage in this draft. I think it's because of a few things. Number one, the position groups that, that are really a lot of the premium ones were pretty deep. I mean, I think we had, we had four offensive tackles that teams felt really, really good about. We had a handful of wide receivers that teams were really, really excited about. When you look at cornerback, you know, Akuda and C.J. Henderson were given premium grades by teams across the board. And then a lot of other guys, obviously, put in the first round that, you know, some people weren't even expecting, like Damon Arnett. So I think a lot of teams that were calling to move up were really just not sweetening the pot that much. And I think for the Lions, they liked Akuda enough where they weren't going to risk losing him. Now, the Giants were always going to take an offensive tackle. I think when you look at Miami, they loved Andrew Thomas, but I think they were ready to take the big swing. That was Tua. The Chargers were the team that actually surprised me a little bit, I, I think. You know, I, I of course, we expected them to go. I shouldn't say surprised because I expected them to go in, but you could have seen them taking offensive tackle or a guy like Akuda if he slipped. So for the Lions, they had to do this in this moment. Now, what I will say is, you know, they traded Darius Slay. The secondary is was pretty thin. You look at all the great defenses, Matt Patricia coach in New England. You make a great point about the man coverage that they run. You know, they had Darrell Revis with him in New England at a time, Stephon Gilmore in New England with him. Just really, really top-notch lockdown corners, number one corners that they feel can wipe away a wide receiver, whether they put that corner on the number one receiver, a lot of – their corner on the number two receiver and then bracket coverage the number one wide receiver but it's pretty evident that Patricia has a system that you know he feels that he needs a premier corner in and they weren't going to pay Darius Slay they were in position to grab a guy like Akuda who I love in this draft I absolutely love him I think off the field uh, he has the mentality that just not a lot of players do it's special 
on the field. He really reminded me of Namdi Asamoa. So when you look at it for the Lions, the return just was not good enough to move out and risk losing who they really, really loved in Jeff Okuda. Interesting. So the Giants sitting there at four, they get Andrew Thomas. Um, this is who I pegged them to draft. I know a lot of people out there had Werfs, but here's the thing with Werfs, short arms. What does that mean? More than likely, uh, you're, you're talking about a right tackle, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe guard. I hate to say it. I mean, hopefully it's, it's a right tackle. I know Tampa Bay Bucks, they traded up for him, but nonetheless, Giants crushed it with Andrew Thomas. This is a guy that has played both right and left. He'll probably start it right this year. Once Nate Soldier is gone, he'll move to left. He could pass protect. He could run block. Obviously great for Daniel Jones. Great for Saquon Barkley. I think this was a home run. I love this pick for the Giants. Your thoughts. Oh, I absolutely agree with you. I, I, when I they made this pick, number one, I had I had really centered in on Jedrick Wills for them, so this came as a little bit of a surprise. But Andrew Thomas is a phenomenal player in, in this draft, the top ten player for me. Now, I love the Giants' strategy here of you know kind of accepting that one we're not going to have OTAs, uh, you know, physical OTAs. They might do some virtual classroom things. We're not going to have a rookie mini camp. So you're looking at this, you know, you want to get a pro-ready player to help Daniel Jones, keep him upright, and, and of course, a good run blocker for Saquon Barkley. Now, with Andrew Thomas, what you have is a guy that came to Georgia and started at right tackle as a true freshman right away and was a freshman All-American. And then you go, you know, a year later, on the, he plays on the left side the last two years. So freshman All-American on the right side as a starter – then a really, really good, you know, first team SEC left tackle, permanent team captain for Georgia in 2019. Somebody that people just follow. They listen to him when he speaks. They respect the guy. That's somebody that the new Giants coach, Joe Judge, that's something he values. And, you know, and Joe Judge really, really values that. So it's not to take away from Jedrick Wills or Tristan Wirfs. You make a great point. A lot of teams I talk to, Anita, the 34-inch arms for Werfs, and we're going to get to the Jets here. That conversation is going to come up. You know, with Werfs, they do view him as a guard. Some teams view him as a tackle. But for the Giants, you know, they just were not going to take that kind of chance. And, and Andrew Thomas, to me, uh, you know, while he was my third tackle, and I really grouped these four together, I think he's the safest tackle of the bunch. And for the Giants, they're getting an upgrade as a run blocker. You nailed it. You know, they're going to probably play him on the right side over Cam Fleming. They'll hope that Nate Solder can stay healthy. And then once the Nate Solder days are over, Andrew Thomas is a guy that is used to coming to a program, starting on the right side and moving to the left. He has no problem with that. You can't say that about everyone else. So high character pick, high floor pick, uh, good run blocker with strong hands, great mirror ability against pass rushers and his pass sets. Really high IQ to pick up stunts and twists. So I love the pick for the Giants. Now, now here's where it really, really gets interesting for me. Uh, and, and I've been talking about the quarterback position, uh, in, in regard to, to gambling as well. And, and, you know, who was going to go before who and, you know, was, was Herbert too? Were they going to go in the top five out of the top five? I, to me, Justin Herbert to me is the best quarterback in this draft. I even think Justin Herbert's better than Joe Burrow. Not to say that Joe Burrow fits. Zach Taylor's system in Cincinnati better. I get that. Um, to his health issues, huge concern for me. He might be healthy right now. And the Dolphins selecting him at five, he'll more than likely, uh, you know, they'll, 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 uh, not play him this season. 
um, they'll probably start with, with uh, Fitzmagic and give him a year to heal and be 100%. I get it's not about right now. It's two, three years from now. He, if you get injured in college, you will get injured in the pros. It's just what happens. Some of us genetically aren't as gifted as the Manning brothers. Um, to his hip, even though it's healthy right now, chances are he's going to need a hip replacement at some point in time in his life. Hopefully that's not till after his career is over. Um, I also had some scouts tell me they just, when you, when you watch him on film, he tackles hard. He hits the ground hard. He doesn't hit the ground easy. Just too many red flags for me. I think this is a huge gamble for the Miami Dolphins to take him at five. If I was the Miami Dolphins, I would have selected Justin Herbert. Again, Justin Herbert, to me, best quarterback in this draft. And the fact that the Chargers get him at six, I think is is one of the big, biggest steals in this draft. I'm curious. You probably disagree with me. I'm an outlier here. I'm a minority. A lot of people uh, you know, value Tua and, and think that uh, the risk of drafting him um, outweighs uh, because of his skill set. But I, I'm curious, um, your thoughts on Tua going to the Dolphins at five and Herbert going to the Chargers at six? Yeah, well, I agree that Tua's health risks are, you know, monumental. There's no denying that. I, I think the problem when you look at it is, you know, he played behind a good offensive line in college. The, the guy that protected his blind side went 10th overall to the Browns and Jedrick Wills and a guy that protected him you know, the year before that was the first tackle taken, you know, in the 2019 draft in Jonah Williams. So when you look at this with Tua, there, you know, there's always concerns because it felt like he didn't take a ton of hits. And when he did, like you said, you know, he, he got hurt or he hit the ground hard and the injuries really piled up. He played hurt a lot, which is frustrating. But I, I am in the crowd that his talent is worth the gamble. Now for the Dolphins, it's a tough spot because – I think it was pretty clear they were ready to kind of mail this season in. Now, they didn't play like that under Brian Flores. Brian Flores is not that kind of guy. But on paper, they made a lot of moves where they were turning over a roster. And after you do something like that, you'd love to come out of this draft with, you know, what you feel like is a safe pick in Joe Burrow. But unfortunately, they just couldn't do it. Even if they called the Bengals, the Bengals were never going to move off that pick. So when you look at Tua – you know, it's a swing for the fences they had to take. He's a great player when on the field, quick release, super accurate at all three levels of the field. The ball just flies out of his hands. He has a really good feel in the pocket. The teammates love, love, love the guy. I remember talking to Jerry Judy at the Super Bowl this year, and Judy just had nothing but glowing things to say about Tua. And it wasn't just like your standard offensive player talking up the quarterback. They, they just feel like, Tua was their guy, and he had such a good relationship with that receiver room that was loaded with first-round wide receivers. It's not easy to keep all those guys happy. That's another thing that you know that people don't talk about a lot. You have four first-round wide receivers in that Alabama room, and Tua was the glue there. So I think it was worth the risk. They didn't have to move up for him. If that would have hurt, if they had to move up for him, it was worth the risk to me. I think when you look at Herbert, my fears are, and why I was a little harsh on the pick, is that, you know, I never really saw him truly get better in the big moment in the Pac-12. But I think when you look at Herbert, he's a good runner. He's big. He's got a huge arm. Some of the splash throws are phenomenal. The deep throws down the field, you know, but the accuracy issues are there. Uh, working to your second and third reads was a problem for him. And I, once again, I think in the big moment, Herbert did not play his best games. Played, you know, he played well against a lot of poor competition. So I think when you look at it, 
and he had a great offensive line. So that wasn't a problem. All those weapons were just average at best. So with Herbert, I'll say this. I love his landing spot. I think you go to the Chargers, you sit behind Tyrod Taylor. Herbert's a super humble kid where he's not going to care about that. You know, I know it bothered Baker Mayfield in Cleveland being behind Tyrod. It's not going to bother Herbert. They have a ton of good weapons there. They have a really, really um, smart and and well-respected head coach, Anthony Lynn. So when you look at it there, you know, they need to add another piece on that offensive line, the Chargers. I was surprised they traded back up and took a linebacker. I love the linebacker they took, but, you know, I thought they, they should have added to the offensive line as well. But when you look at this, you know, it, it was a good landing spot for Herbert. It really was. And with Tua – Sometimes, you know, Chris Greer had to wait a long time in that Dolphins organization to sit in the GM chair and make the football operations calls. And he's taking his swing for the fences by taking a guy like Tua. Yeah, listen, born and raised in Miami, um, you know, grew up in the uh, in the Dan Marino era. And since then, it's just been a poop show. That's 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 where my reservation is. the, The the Dolphins don't have an opportunity to swing and miss because they have swung and missed several times. Twice with with Drew Brees, um, so I just I, again I just I I think this is going to come around and, and bite them in the butt. And, and again, uh, Connor, not to say that Tua is you know is not the better quarterback or or could be the better quarterback or has intangibles that Justin doesn't. I, I'm not I'm not criticizing his game. I'm, I'm saying the risk the risk to me is much greater than the reward. Um, especially after all the conversations I've had with a number of scouts and general managers. So anyway, so, so that was very interesting in regard to how Tua and Justin Herbert played out. Isaiah Simmons still on the board for, uh, for the Cardinals. They, even though they needed, uh, a, a, an offensive lineman there to help with Murray, they, they went with the best player, uh, Isaiah Simmons, who I, I just, he's just going to be so fun to watch. Uh, let's go, let's go to the Jets sitting at 11. Now Cleveland took uh Wills at at 10. I'm really curious and of course we know the Jets took Becton um at 11. Um I'm and and Worfs was still on the board. So a few things. Number 1, while I was watching this play out, I was upset that Wills went to Cleveland at 10. I was really hoping that Wills would still be on the board for the Jets at 11. He was not. I thought for sure they were going to go worse, but they did not. They went Becton. To me, I had Becton as the fourth best offensive lineman in this draft. I had Thomas one, Wills two, Worfs three, Becton four. I'll be honest with you. I even, I even like Josh Jones, maybe even a little bit better than Becton. But with that being said, your thoughts on the Jets selecting Becton at 11. So this is a learning moment from what Joe Douglas is going to do as a GM. That was what I was trying to figure out going up to this because you're sitting there and I thought, you know, based on board, I thought it would be worse. I thought they were going to try to get as athletic as possible and grab the guy that they feel like could just flourish in an outside zone scheme because of how athletic he is. But when you look at it, you know, then you you wonder, is a GM that is really – Sure, he ran the drafts in Philadelphia, but he's running the show on his own for the first time. And I think what it came down to, Anita, my understanding is they, they thought Worfs was a guard. And when the, the Jets were not going to draft somebody that they projected as a guard when they had such a glaring hole at both tackle spots. Now, I will say this. 
the Jets really liked Mekhi Becton. And this wasn't like a, you know, he fell to us, we're, we're happy now. It was a, we hope he falls to us. Uh, what I think with the Jets is the two guys they really liked were Jedrick Wills, which is a shame he went 10th because I think yeah. he would have been the pick for the Jets at 11. Yep. Um, and Mekhi Becton because they wanted the size and athleticism combined. Now, with Becton, they have a pure power guy on the left side now. Somebody with incredible length, you know, almost those 36-inch arms, uh, did not really get beat in pass pro this year. Now, you know, he didn't take a ton of true pass sets when you watch the Louisville offense. Now, as a run blocker, the guy has the power in the hands to walk people to the sideline. Uh, what I've learned from Becton over time is it, it's hard to find bad film this year, and it's easy to find great film. I think the concerns with him are you need to keep that weight down. Now, he's done a great job of this. Going back to when his season ended in college, he went down – uh, to Texas right away to train with Duke Mannyweather, I believe in December, which is very early. He got a head start on all of this. He got his weight down. Um, I'm pretty sure he's at about 363 right now. And I think he said he'd like to play at 355. Now with the NFL, you know, you're no longer a college student. You're, you're just going to be on a meal plan and you're going to be working with the training staff and, you know, the Jets, you know, I know. You know, people could say what they want about the Jets, but one thing they have that's phenomenal is one of the nicest training facilities, you know, uh, really in the league. It's phenomenal. So if Becton is willing to put in the work and stay consistent, and a lot of people you talk to that are close to him uh, believe he is, you're not talking about, you know, an average left tackle, which right now the Jets don't have average at either tackle spot. George Fant is below average. You know, he's barely starter level. Chuma Adoga thought he played decent on the right side last year. When they had to move him to the left to start for Kelvin Beecham, he, he had a really tough time, really tough time. So when you look at this, you're, you're shooting for – this is something that the Jets didn't really do a lot in the McCagnan era um, or really, you know, in the Idzik era. They didn't really shoot – you know, swing for the fences. They didn't get up there and say, you know, we're going to take the kid that – just turned 21 years old and is a little raw at this position, but we think we're going to turn him into an all pro. Like you could argue they did that with Sam Darnold, but that was just such a no brainer. There wasn't like, you know, nobody's going to criticize you for taking Sam Darnold in that spot. So when you look at the Becton pick, I mean, this can transform your run game right away because he is truly somebody that you say, we're just going to run behind him. Now I'm curious. I'm very curious. And we're going to talk about this, what they do today because I think they're going to look to get a guard or a center. So the interior is upgraded as well, and they could really run the football. So with Becton, you know, what you're hoping is that he develops as a, a pass protector in a sense that counters don't eat him up against speed rushers at the next level because he is so big. Now, he has the feet where that can be coached up. Some guys just don't have the feet. Like Isaiah Wilson went in the first round last night from Georgia, and he's like a poor man's Becton in a sense that He's a great run blocker and has the size like him, but in pass pro, he did not have the feet. And you saw that against when he got beat by Caleb on chase on from LSU with Becton. You don't have to worry about that. You just need to coach him up, keep the weight down. He could be a really, really good player. I had a first round grade on him, you know, and it, it goes to show you a little bit about Joe Douglas that 
he values size and length at the tackle position. And it wouldn't shock me if he doubles down on that and has the same kind of theory at cornerback when they do eventually take a corner, if they look to take a corner that has longer arms and, and good size, good length. So I think when you look at it with the Jets, you know, honestly, I'll tell you from their perspective right now, Anita, they are very, very happy. They did. They really didn't want to move up. I saw that Ian Rappaport tweeted that they had, ex, you know, explored that. I, from what I had talked to with the Jets, that it wasn't really a consideration. They, they don't want to part with their picks uh, on day one. They wanted to stay at 11, but they knew they were crossing their fingers there. They were a little worried that, you know, Becton or Wills or Thomas wouldn't make it to them. And if, if it was just Worfs, I, I wonder, I think they would have taken him and given it a shot. But now they feel like they got a true, true franchise left tackle for Sam Darnold. So I'm just going to throw out some negatives in, in the conversations I've had with a few scouts. Yeah, and, I'd love to hear them. And, and general managers with Becton. Um, man against boys in college, but will not be the, the same in the NFL. He's got a big learning curve. Everyone is enamored with the speed, but it's in a straight line. Doesn't recover well. Um, mentally uh, doesn't have a good grasp of the game. Um, off the field issues. Immaturity. And any, yeah. any, of, any of that ring true in regard to red flag and, and hoping that those things don't rear their ugly head for the Jets? I'm curious. I think, you know, it's hard for me to truly speak on uh, level of maturity. So that, that would be interesting. I think he's somebody that, you know, showed, always showed up ready to play. I think when you're naturally that big, you know, conditioning, I mean, the guy is six foot seven. Conditioning is going to be something that, you know, has to be taken seriously. It just has to be taken seriously. So um, I'm curious. I, I mean, I haven't heard that they have concerns, uh, you know, with his maturity and all of those things. I think, you know, and some of that could be tied together. Sometimes, you know, people tie in maturity with your conditioning because they feel like, you know, you're at a certain point where you need to be able to also take care of yourself off the field. So I, I would say – my two concerns with Becton are this one, the weight, which I've made very, very obvious, which can tie into maturity because when you're an adult in your profession, you should be able to manage something like that. Number two would be balance. And I think when you're six foot seven, 365, you know, that's a no brainer. Now he has good feet, but that doesn't mean he has great balance. I think sometimes he almost over, overshoots himself. Uh, when getting to the second level, and I think balance can come into play when you're you're going against NFL speed rushers that know how to counter. They they can get their first step on the outside, and they can cross face inside, or they can spin inside, or they could bend and dip. I'm very curious to see how he handles that. But once again, you know this is going to be a big test for the coaching staff to not just make this guy a starter, but to make this guy a Pro Bowler. At the end of the day, uh, again, the Giants walking away with Thomas and the Jets walking away with Becton, uh, two of the top four uh, offensive linemen in the draft and, and filling some really, really big needs. We're going to get into what we anticipate them to do later on this evening. But just to, to uh, recap, a final recap of, of how the draft went from there, um, I was a little bit surprised that Ruggs was the first wide receiver taken off the board for the Raiders. I was, a, I was really surprised that Jerry Judy dropped – and I'll tell you what, 
I think probably Connor, I think, the, I think one of the biggest steals in this draft is the Dallas Cowboys getting arguably the best wide receiver in this draft, CD lamb at 17. I mean, dude. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm with you, Anita. Holy smokes. Oh, I gave this pick an A plus all the way. Wow. And, I, and I'm sitting there and I'm going, how did this even happen? Like when you look at it, it's number one, he was the best wide receiver in the draft. Uh, I want to make that clear. Mm-hmm. Number two, teams thought they would have to move up for him. And, you know, it's someone like the Eagles, I think would have loved to, to potentially come up and take a top wide out and said they stay pat and take Rager. For the Cowboys, I just, I love, love, love the strategy of saying, wow, a top five player fell into our lap and we're just going to take him. We don't care. We really don't care. So when you look at it, you know, the Chiefs have done this in the past where they're just saying we're going to take offensive players over and over again. Uh, I think when you look at it, I mean, it's just a phenomenal pick because now you could do so many different things on offense. You could play Amari Cooper in the slot. CD can play on the outside. Michael Gallup can play on the outside. Uh, you know, another low thing is, too, here, Anita, getting the flexibility, getting a guy like Lamb, you can get out of Amari Cooper's contract in two years if you need to. I'm not saying you want to. I'm just saying if you don't want to pay him $22 mil anymore when he turns 28, 29, you're like, okay, we got Gallup and CD. We'll keep drafting well. It gives them so much flexibility and such a high-powered offense. I, I look across the NFC. I don't know what team has three corners that can cover these guys. And you can't stack the box against Zeke Elliott anymore. You can't do it. They have a great offensive line. I love the steps Dak Prescott's taken. Mike McCarthy is a guy that knows how to use three receivers. Remember those Packer teams, Anita, that had just players across the board at yep. the wide receiver position? Greg Jennings. Yeah. Yep. You know, Jordy Nelson, Randall yep. Cobb, a little bit of everything. Right. Cobb was your after-the-catch guy. You know, Jordy, good hands and routes, can win downfield a little bit. Greg Jennings. I mean, good Lord. It's just like, it's gonna look be at fun. it. It's going to be – I said, if there's one team I'm turning the TV on for in the NFC every every damn time they're on, it's the Cowboys right now. All right. Um, and uh, let's let's drop straight down to, uh, to 24 with the Saints on the board. Saints are on the board at 24. I tweet, Jordan Love, for sure. This is where he's going to go. No, they take Cesar Ruiz, center from Michigan. Um, and then, of course, boom, right after that, uh, wide receiver Ayuk goes to San Francisco. A lot of people, a lot of love for him, especially this uh, past week heading into the draft. Teams fell in love with this kid. But probably the biggest storyline, one of the biggest storylines, is Green Bay trading up to get Jordan Love. Meanwhile, you got Aaron Rodgers, you got a Green Bay Packers team, very competitive looking to try to compete, needing a wide receiver to, to offset Devontae Adams, and you, and you trade up to get Jordan Love, who, by the way, I was reading this morning, Aaron Rodgers, his dead cap space, um, or his dead cap uh, for, for the Green Bay Packers, $39 million this year, $31 million next year, almost $18 million in year three. So, and he signed through 2023. 
And I, I know Jordan Love is a guy that with, uh, you know, so many uh, quote unquote, right? Like this year's Patrick Mahomes, but is, is, is a project and he's going to need some time to season and develop. Aaron Rodgers to me isn't the guy that you he's not, Aaron Rodgers is no Eli Manning, right? Like Aaron Rodgers isn't going to take Jordan Love no. under under his wing like Eli Manning took Daniel Jones under his wing. Far from it. Like polar opposites. I understand all the reasons why the Green Bay Packers did this. I just don't know if this is going to be a good vibe, a good thing for the Green Bay Packers this the, like I, I like Aaron Rodgers. He's so temperamental. Like, I'm curious to get your thoughts. I, I think, I think th- th- there's going to be a lot of drama up there in Wisconsin. Yeah. Oh, there is. I, I agree with that. I think my issue with all of it is, oh man, this was a tough one. I'll tell you why. I like Jordan Love and I'm excited to see who, tr- who took the swing on Jordan Love. And I'm not even mad that he goes to Green Bay because I think it's a good situation for him. Not Aaron Rodgers being in front of him because he won't really give him the time of day, but because this is a franchise that knows how to develop quarterbacks. Now, the problem with this is Green Bay, they're in a window to win now, Anita. Like, exactly. Like, this was a great football team last year. A great football team. And... Uh, they they could have taken someone on defense, whether they wanted to bo- you know bolster up their front, or they could have got another receiver for Aaron Rodgers. There was a lot of directions they could have go because there was so many instant impact players on the board that this one was a little bit of a head scratcher because they're not looking towards. I guess they are looking towards the future, but I don't know why. I mean, you have a head coach that. Had a really good debut season. You have a really good roster. And the bottom line is they've made a lot of their additions recently through free agency where when you do that, you know, you can't keep your roster forever. It's going to evaporate and you're going to have to keep drafting. So to use your premium selection on a quarterback, it was a bit of a head scratcher. Now, I think Jordan Love could be a really good player. I just don't know. All these teams come out of last night, right? Like all of them, uh, not all, a lot of them, and they got so much better. Like the the Vikings in their own division, the Vikings got Justin Jefferson and Jeff Gladney and a couple extra picks. That would scare me. I mean, Absolutely. I'm not worried about I'm not worried about the Lions or the Bears, but I'll tell you what, it's for a team. I thought they should have kept their foot on the gas right now, not taking a you know a, a wait and see and let's develop a guy approach. So, so uh, the Green Bay Packers organization came out today and said that they did not expect Jordan Love to fall and be in a position that they could grab him. So this isn't one. This isn't what they were planning. This is not what they were expecting. Keep in mind, we're talking about wide receiver help uh, for this Green Bay Packers team, and there's quite a few still on the board: Michael Pittman, T. Higgins, Mims, just to name a few. And again, we're going to get into rounds two and three in just a second. But just to put a, a big red bow on this, for me. The two teams that crushed it last night, again, the Dallas Cowboys. And listen, I don't want to sit here and give them all all the credit. Um, there were 16 teams that passed on CeeDee Lamb, and he fell yeah. in their lap, and kudos to them. And Jerry Jones sitting on his big, fat yacht um, <laughs> goes with CeeDee Lamb. That was it. And for me, the Ravens getting Patrick Queen. Listen, I love Patrick Queen. I think Patrick Queen is one of the best players in this draft. And for him to go to the, the Baltimore Ravens, I'm calling it right now. Baltimore Ravens win the Super Bowl this year. 
Connor. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised though. Can't, I mean, can't what is Patrick Queen doing there? Cannot convince me other way. Patrick Queen is is now like Lamar Jackson of the defense. Like that's it's, like this, yeah. this kid is like this kid is sick. He's sick. Oh, he's so good. He's so good. He was my second ranked linebacker. Uh, I think I Actually, had him. Actually, he was my first. I liked him. I liked him <laughs> more. Did you? I liked him. I liked him more. Oh, me too. Me too. So I had Isaiah Simmons. As oh, a backer, Isaiah so Simmons. Why. Yes. I'm yep. sorry. I don't. I don't yep. look at Isaiah Simmons like a linebacker. Yeah, he's more of a safety, Isaiah- honestly. Yeah, as a safety. But um, yes, so I had Mur- I had I had Patrick Queen m- number two behind Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, yeah, I had him over Murray, just like yep. you. But not, I mean, what he does in coverage is just rare, and I think that matters so much in the NFL right now. All right, so uh, so so again, um, as we know, Giants and Jets they walk away in the first round with offensive linemen, a need that they did. Of course, uh, solidify. So where are we now? Uh, the round two, round two of the NFL draft starts at seven o'clock tonight, Eastern time. Giants are sitting at four. Now, I am pretty confident that they are going to go with Gross Matos, defensive lineman from Penn State. Keep in mind, his coach from Penn State is now part of the Giants coaching staff with Jeff Judge. There is a connection there, and the Giants need an edge rusher. They don't have anyone who's getting after the quarterback. My Literally, my money is going to be on Gross Matos. Hopefully, he's still there at four, if not um, Espensa. Espensa, AJ Espensa from Iowa. Oh, Espinessa, yep. Espinessa, Espinessa, sorry. But I think it's Gross Matos for the Giants. Uh, your thoughts on what you think the Giants are going to do um, – with with that thirty sixth pick, oh, I think that's a great call. Uh, I think I didn't think Gross Matos would be here right now. To be honest, nobody you, did, so. right? Yeah, he re- yeah he really has no business being here. The Giants need help up front on the edge. Uh, this kid is a really you know he's a high IQ run defender that has all the traits in the world to develop as a pass rusher. I think a lot of coaches really like the person, um, you know, getting to talk to him. So when you look at it. I'm with you, honestly, here. I am with you. I think it'll be one of those two. Uh, you know, we'll see. Maybe both of those guys go <laughs> first two picks off the board today. If something like crazy like that happens, I think they do look at a playmaking safety like Antoine Winfield. Um, you know, th- that would make some sense to me. Xavier McKinney would make some sense to me. But the Giants need help up front. This edge class is going to really dry up very quickly on day two of this draft. So I, I'm with you all the way. Gross Matos would be such a good pick for the Giants. Be huge for them to walk away um, with their first two picks with arguably the best offensive lineman in this draft and, and, and really a top edge rusher. It, it, would be, it would be tremendous for them. Hopefully that works out. As we know, the other needs for the Giants, wide receiver help, right? I mean, Sterling Shepard is they're really their number one wide receiver and, He's got, you know, health issues in regard to my migraines and concussions. Slayton, Golden Tate. Interesting with tight end uh, Evan Ingram. You know, his contract is coming to an end. There was some talk and speculation that the Giants were going to try to trade him. So they might be in the market for some tight end help. Um, and, and obviously in, in the secondary. So edge rusher, secondary, tight end, wide receiver. And this is a very deep wide receiving class. So there's a chance... As well, you've got the second in the third round tonight. So maybe in the third round, Giants do look towards a wide receiver. Um, for the Jets, 
a lot of needs there as well. Not sure what's going to happen with the future of Le'Veon Bell. This very well could be his last season with the Jets. Could they go for a, a running back, wide receiver, Brashard Perryman and, uh, and, and Crowder? They're top two wide receivers. They definitely need some wide receiver help. No Robbie Anderson there anymore. Their corners, their secondary in regards to their corners, they need a lot of help in their secondary. And also there's some, some talk about trading Jamal Adams. Um, and some speculation there. So with that being said, you've got a Jets team that is picking 48th. And again, I think the biggest glaring need here is a wide receiver. I don't know about you, but I love Michael Pittman, USC, oh. wide, USC wide receiver. I think he could be one of the biggest steals and sleepers in this draft. So first and foremost, I'm curious, what do you think the, uh, the Jets do at 16? Connor? Well, I'm so glad you said that because Michael Pittman uh, is my fifth wide receiver one of my last first-round grades, I think that would be the home run. Sam Darnold has a relationship with him. He threw, I think, four touchdowns to him, um, you know, a couple of years ago in Sam's final season. So that would be a phenomenal, phenomenal pick. I think when I'm looking at the Jets here, I'm going with, you know, two positions stick out. I need a number one wide receiver, no doubt about that. Number two, and I don't think it's talked about enough, is that they're going to look at interior offensive line, and they're going to look at, I think, two to three names pretty early on here. Matt Hennessy from Temple, who's a true center for his own scheme. This would move Connor McGovern to guard. Lloyd Cushenberry, who's a true center from LSU, that would also move Connor McGovern to guard. And then Robert Hunt, who played right tackle in college and will probably play guard at the next level in the NFL. So... I think Joe Douglas might double down on offensive linemen. It wouldn't shock me if they take one at 48 before they're all gone. And I think the other option, as we've talked about a lot, is wide receiver. You, they've met with LaVisca Chenault. T. Higgins is still on the board. You know, Michael Pittman is still on the board. K.J. Hamler, with all his speed, this is a team that likes to add more speed, uh, is still on the board. I think when you look at it, you know, right now, they, they have glaring needs at those spots. And, I think Joe Douglas will put his foot on the gas on offense and get this thing going for Sam Darnold. I think they, there was a time where, you know, they really, really wanted to add a corner. I, I don't really know who's still going to be there at 48. And of course they have picks at 68 and 79. So I, they might even double up at wide receiver. You make a great point about Le'Veon Bell. Everything I've heard is, is that he will not be back pretty much. It's guaranteed after this year. Exactly. Because of the 11, the 11.5 million dollar cap hit. So they would like to find his replacement at running back now, get him ready, uh, one year behind Bell and then give him the starting chance. So running back quietly also very much in play for the New York Jets. All right. So, uh, quarterback, let's, let's, and let's go bigger picture here. Okay. Quarterback wise, um, I, I actually thought that there was going to be a chance that a team was going to um, trade in to the bottom of the first round and draft Jake Fromm just because of all the love that I've been hearing about him th- this week heading into the draft. Obviously, that didn't happen. Do you anticipate Fromm to go before Jalen Hurts? Uh, I don't. And now it could, now it, it's all it depends on who you talk to, right? I, I've talked to coaches that are obsessed with Fromm, I've talked to player, uh, uh, GMs and you know, all kinds of people that are obsessed with Hertz. And I think when you look at it right now, I think Hertz is expected to go in the top 50, which might surprise some people. And Fromm is a bit of a wild card. Now, what I will say is both of those guys are expected to go in the second round today or early, early third. So when you look at it from, from that regard, uh, you know, both are going to be drafted as, as day one uh, second stringers that are going to be given chances to start one day, which is 
something you don't always say about quarterbacks, you know, taken outside the first round right away. But those guys, I think teams view them both as guys with starter potential. Um, keep an eye on James Morgan for the Patriots. I, I don't know a lot about him. Do you like James Morgan? Do you know? Uh, him? I do. He's my favorite day three quarterback, big arm, really big arm. Mechanics are just all over the place with James Morgan. He's a guy that, um, you know, he started his career at Bowling Green. He did not have, he had a kind of a roller coaster career there, honestly. He really did. And then you look at it and he goes to FIU and he just has two phenomenal seasons, phenomenal seasons. I think you look at it, he, you know, he pushed the ball downfield a lot. He ra- actually ran pretty well. He just has this big arm. He can get outside the pocket a little bit. Um, you know, he could drop the ball in the bucket. He, 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 you know, some turnover issues. But I think when you look at Morgan, he's a, a classic case of a big-bodied, big-arm kind of guy that a team will like to develop from round, you know, three or four. So keep an eye. Uh, I, I'm hearing that there's a chance that the Patriots might grab him. Running back-wise, I was actually quite surprised that DeAndre Swift did not go. I hear the comparison Me of Josh. Too. Josh Jacobs, who, uh, in my opinion, if he wouldn't have hurt his shoulder, would have won the Rookie of the Year last year. Um, and then you've got John Taylor, Dobbins. So are we, we're both, are we both anticipating Swift and Taylor to go in the second round? Yes. I really like Jonathan Taylor for the Steelers. Um, I think when you look at Swift, he, he fits any, any team because he can run gap or zone, and he can catch the ball so well. Jonathan Taylor is a gap runner in my eyes. He's very straight line. Uh, I don't really see him in his own scheme, so I think it'll be a little bit more particular about about where he goes. Now, some teams might view him as more versatile than I do. Dobbins is another guy that you know fits outside zone. Darrington Evans from App State. I know you like him, Anita. I believe. Uh, I think I've heard you talk about all these you know all these running backs. So when you look at it. You know, we're going to hear a lot of different names called on night two at running back because you have Zach Moss, another guy from Utah, power runner. So the, the high-profile names have not come off the board yet, surprisingly, like Taylor, like Swift. And you have to wonder, you know, is there any way these guys make it outside the top 50? Because if they do, it's just positional value-based because well, they're just plug-and-play starters from day one. They really are. And I, I think Swift is the best running back in the class. I don't I, I like Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I don't understand him being drafted over Swift. Yeah, I, I, well, apparently, um, you know, the comparison was uh, Brian Westbrook and Andy Reid. And, and Brian, Westbrook uh, is like a, Brian Westbrook is like a son to Andy Reid. So yep. if he has a, an opportunity to draft a, a running back <laughs> that even comes remotely close to Westbrook, he will. Offensive line, again, I love Josh Jones. I, I know there's some off-the-field issues. There are some red flags there, but – um, I think he could be a very serviceable offensive tackle. Um, so I expect him to go pretty early. Um, do you expect a tight end to come off the board this round? I, I, I think yes. might even, Cole I think Komet. He, I, Cole Komet. I think he might even go to Cincinnati um, with the first pick. Oh, I like that fit. Yeah, that's a good fit. I think right? when you look at Cole Komet, good blocker, good scene guy, uh, big body for the red zone. A lot of people thought he was going to go play baseball, Anita. Nobody really thought he'd be in this draft. So some teams are pleasantly surprised. Another team, uh, Cole Komet, New England, I think they moved back to 37. So I think when you look at New England at 37, you could very much see uh, Cole Komet in play there as well. Interesting. We talked about wide receivers. We both like Michael Pittman. I think he should have gone in the first round. T. Higgins is still there. Mims is there. Um, I know a lot of teams love Chenault. 
Am I pronouncing that? He did. Yes, correct. Chenault's from Colorado. Um, I know a lot of teams are really high on him. Um, Defensive-wise, we talked about the cornermacks, Diggs, Fulton, Johnson. I think they'll all be gone in the second round. Uh, Safety, McKinney. I think a lot of us are even surprised that he's still available. What do you know about these two safeties from Utah, Burgess and and Blackman? So with Burgess, There are a number of scouts who really like both these guys. Yeah, they do. Burgess is probably going to play in the nickel at the next level. Uh, He'll be a slot corner and a phenomenal one at that. A guy that can play safety and corner, do a lot of different things for you. I think when you look at Blackman, the injury held him back, but he's a a player that they they just have all these versatile guys at Utah. He's a player that, you know, played corner, was a long corner, then played free safety. So you're looking at basically two cover players in the draft. And teams just have such a premium on guys that can handle different coverage roles right now because everything in the NFL is so spread heavy. You know, you see what the Chiefs do. That's a good example of, of just needing all these cover guys in all areas of the field. And I think Utah was littered with two of those guys right there. Um, of course, we talked about the defensive lineman. I expect uh, Gross Matos to go to the Giants. Hopefully he's still there when they select uh, four down starting the second round. Um, and then, uh, and then linebacker Logan Wilson and, and Zach Bond, Bone, Bond are still on the Bond, board. yep. Bond are still on the board. So just to name a few, I do want to get, let's, let's end on some of the bets out there for folks who want to, uh, for folks out there who, who want to, um, lay some money. I, I don't know about you. Like I had a ton of, I had a ton of prop bets rolling last night during the draft. I had so much fun. Um, and of course there's more, more prop bets on the board heading into rounds two and three. So here's a few. Um, we talked about Jalen Hurts. Uh, does he go to Pittsburgh at 49? Or does he go to Pittsburgh at all tonight? Uh, that's plus 600. I kind of – It would it would surprise I like, me. I kind of like that. I do too. The odds are nice. It would surprise me because I think they're going to give this thing – they're going to go anti-Green Bay here, Anita. I think they're going to give this thing one more run with Big Ben and try to get some get But here's the thing, they can back. do that with Hurts. I mean, you could use right? yeah. you could you can use use Hurts like the Saints use Taysom Hill. Yeah, you could. I I don't know. I think when they look at it, they're going to try to get some more wide receivers in there as well. I, I okay. agree with you. It's up to the coaching staff, but I don't know how Big Ben will feel about that. And they might listen to him more than Green Bay listens to Aaron Rodgers. Do you think Hurts goes in the second round? Yes, yes is, I do. That yes is minus 225. Um, yeah, so when this opened, I don't know why, in New Jersey it opened at him going under 75 and a half. I think it's now like under 60. I, I think it's he 50, goes yeah, under it's 50, 60. it's 55 and a half. So you like the under. Wow, it keeps going down. Yeah, you like, down. you like the under 55 and a half? That's I minus, do. I still do, yep. Okay, it's minus 137. And round two for Hertz is minus 225. We talked about the running backs. DeAndre Swift, you and I both had him as our number one running back. Uh, the Dolphins pick at 39. The over-under for him to get selected is 39-and-a-half. Do the Giants pick him with their 39th pick? I, I mean, I not the Swift, Giants, the Dolphins. Yeah, the Dolphins. Sorry, I, the think Dolphins. Swift go, I think Swift goes uh, – I'll take the under on that. I think he does go in the first couple selections today. Right, okay. And not sure if he goes to the Dolphins at 39, but interesting. Yeah, he, yeah um, or somebody could trade ahead of them because they know they like him. From does he go in the second round? Ooh, this one is uh, this is the hardest one that you've given me so far. It I is. think I'll I say think yes. He, I say yeah. I don't like. I don't know about you. I mean, I like. 
Coaches love him. Coaches love him. Love him. So I'm going yes from in the second round. Um, I'm with you. Here's one for the Giants. Like I said, I am I I am sold that they take Gross Matos. So you can take the Giants getting a defensive player with their next pick from minus two sixty five. Wow, the odds are just kind of crappy. I know the but, the, the, the juice. But it, it seems like a layup, right? I think so. I think so too. I'm gonna lay it. Yeah, um, that's a good one. First tight end taken off the board. Commit, commit. right? Minus four hundred. Again, a lot of wow. juice there. Uh, first wow. safety taken off the board, McKinney, minus 200. That's not bad. No, that's decent. Some people think it could be a sneaky uh, win. It could be Winfield. But I would go with McKinney because I know New England really likes him. And the Giants might like him too. And uh, let's do last but not least, looking ahead to the 2021 draft, right now today you could wager that Trevor Lawrence will be the first pick in next year's draft for minus 305. That's not bad. Uh, you're laying, the thing is, so many laying, things could happen. You're laying three hundred dollars to win a hundred dollars for Trevor. Yeah, Lawrence, but I the number I feel, one pick. Is there an option to take? What's Justin Fields at? Oh, let me look. Hold on one second. Oh, I don't. I don't have it up. I'm sorry. Okay, it's okay. No, it's yeah. That that. I mean, let's wait on that, but it is interesting. Well, if we wait on it, I, th- I have a feeling it's it's going to go up. It's going to go through the moon, right? Like Joe Burrows did. Pretty much. And so let's end on this. I want to I end on some um, uh, win totals for teams that, that made some significant moves last night, okay? So first and foremost, Arizona uh, getting, um, getting Simmons over under seven wins. Over is minus 110. I, I think uh, Arizona is going to be a lot better than what most people think. I'm going over. I'm a believer in Kyler Murray. Yeah. So, and, and, and the fact that they have Simmons now on the defensive side of the ball. So we're both on the over. That's minus 110. We said it a few minutes ago. We both like love Patrick Queen. I think that was one of the steals in the draft. Um, Ravens over under 11 wins. I say over. It's minus 115. Yeah. I go over as well there. Definitely. Just too talented. Cincinnati, as we know, they draft Joe Burrow. Who knows? They could turn around and get the number one tight end coming up uh, as the first pick tonight. Over under five and a half wins for Cincinnati next year. That is tricky. I think that's going to be probably – I could see it being right at five. I'd be a little scared of that one. And it's not Joe Burrow's fault. They're just a team going through transition. Dallas, we both agree. Another steal in the draft, getting CeeDee Lamb. Dallas over under nine and a half wins next season. I'll take the over. I think they win the division next year. See, I think I think Philadelphia wins the division. I think it's going to be mm. re- I think it's going to be a really competitive division between Dallas and the Eagles. They could still um, get ten wins and not win the division. So yeah, yeah, and don't forget now we have that extra uh, wild card spot. You know. Yes. So, yes. That's right. Um. And then, uh, and then, uh, how about this? Uh, the Bucks, they draft Werfs, and also, as we know, Gronk is now a part of that team. Over under ten wins for the Bucks. I'm going under here. I am Ooh. not buying the Tom Brady hype. I'm just not, Connor. I'm going. Yeah, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. That's a pretty high number for them. I'm not there yet. Uh, I don't know. That's they're in a tough division. I'm not going to buy it either, Anita. I'm going to stick with you right now. And here's what I hope. I hope this, I hope this total keeps on going up. 
It started at eight and a half, then it went to nine, then it went to nine and a half when the Gronk news came out. Now it's up to 10. Keep it going up. I'm taking the under. I'm taking the under. And let's end with the Giants and the Jets. Um, let's say the Giants, as we know, both teams now, they've gotten uh, their offensive linemen that they need. Hopefully maybe they improve even more on the line for the Jets. I think the Giants go defense. The Giants over under six wins this season. They should. Oh, man. They should be over that mark. It's at six. Huh? I wish it was five and a half. It's just it's you got a new coach we know really nothing about. They're dealing with COVID-19. And there's a really tough division now. Like the Cowboys and Eagles are going to be good, and Washington did not get worse. I'm going under. Yeah, I, yeah, it's. I, I would say under right now. The division's tough. It's close. I think. I think. It's I be think. Close. Like I said, I, I think. I think Dallas and the Eagles just crush everybody. Yeah. Um, the Jets over under six and a half. I think they win seven games again. I really okay. do. And and you yeah. know what? Here's, which is not great. <laughs> here's how I can see that is I don't believe that we're going to see Tua play this season. I think they're going to yep. take, I think they're going to take the season and let him heal and really get 100% healthy. So that means more Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Um and I think the Patriots are going to take a step back. I think they are going to try to roll with Jared Stidham. Um and and I just don't think this is going to be a great year for them and that's okay. Like there's there's like I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think the Bills run away with this division. I think the Bills crush it. And by the way, they the, Bills, should. the Bills over-under is at nine. So, um, but I'm with you. I do. Oh, believe, I would I go do, over that. I do believe that the Jets could win seven games. So Yeah, that's not a high number for a team that is like put up or shut up with Adam Gase, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you're, you're there. You're at the, you're at the facility. So I, I filled in on the K show one day, and it was the same day that they have their weekly with Adam Gase. And it was, it was around Christmas. So I opened up my interview, like, you know, I just wanted to have fun. Like, Hey, Adam, Merry Christmas, happy holidays. Like, <laughs> he's so a joy, I, isn't he? Uh, so I, I said, so what I said, so what is it like? Like, what's Christmas like in the Gase household? And he was just like, like in any other, like anybody's Christmas. And I was like, ah, <laughs> I, dude, I don't think you're a head coach. Like, I, I don't. Like, I don't, like, do you dress up as Santa? Do your kids leave you cookies? Like, give me, like, give me something, man. Nothing. Nothing. That sounds right. I asked him, what was his, does he remember as a child? Like, what was his favorite Christmas gift ever? Like, for me, it was like my mongoose BMX bike, chrome wheels, chrome caps, chrome this. I was the biggest tomboy, right? Like, I, I... Connor, I used to sleep with this bike. Like, I would, I would, (laughs) I would bring it in from outside. I would wash it. And then I would put it in my room and I literally, I had, I, I had a pink canopy bed with, um, <laughs> with, I had a pink canopy bed with Miss Piggy sheets. Meanwhile, I had five Pittsburgh Steeler terrible towels on my wall. I slept in my Terry Bradshaw Jersey with one hand on my mongoose BMX bike, chrome wheels, chrome caps. And I literally, I, I couldn't go to sleep without, I was like, I literally held on to it. Like, yeah, I can see Adam Gase not having a, <laughs> having a relation there. Yeah, and it like, sounds like, like him. If, if I can remember in such detail, like what my favorite, like he, he, like he was just like, I don't know. I, I just, I was just like, dude, you are not, you are not fun. I would not, like, I would not want to play for you ever. Anyway, 
Um, Connor, this has been great, and you've given me a lot more time than I anticipated, and God bless, and I thank you for it. Um, oh, no problem, Anita. Why don't you let the folks out there know uh, how to follow you on Twitter, how to follow you for the remainder of the draft, and, and all that good sure. stuff. Sure. Yeah, at Connor J. Rogers on Twitter, and uh, in the Bleach Report app, and on Bleach Report's YouTube, we're live for every pick. So if, if you want more coverage, you can watch on your phone, watch on your tablet, computer, smart TV, whatever you want to do. Uh, we will be live for the rest of the draft. So if you enjoyed this, uh, come join us for the remaining couple of days here. Are you uh, are you going to see Woody and Adam later on today? Yeah. So I Facetime Woody. She gets me ready for <laughs> she gets me ready for uh, each night, and uh, Lefko is hosting with us. Fantastic. So please give Woody Woody for folks out there. Woody is uh, the makeup artist for Bleacher Report. Please give Woody a big hello and big kiss for me. And, uh, and uh, same with Adam, same with Adam. Of course. And thanks so much for having me, Anita. I really had a good time, uh, you know, just going through everything as we always do. You got it. You got it. I want to remind the folks, um, I am back on the airwaves tomorrow, Saturday from noon to three. I'm really excited about it. I'll be broadcasting from my living room. So we might have to deal with some dogs barking, but that's okay. And as far as I know, um, Andrew Thomas is going to be on my show. I was texting with awesome. his agent. Yes, I was texting with, with his agent last night and again this morning. So I'm really hoping, fingers crossed, that I can get the Giants first round pick, Andrew Thomas, on my show Saturday afternoon, noon to three on 98.7 ESPN. All right, everybody. Uh, enjoy rounds two and three later on tonight.